Uh, I want to talk to you today, not on Mother's Day. Uh, I love you moms and I appreciate you so much, but uh, I've never been one of great tradition to feel like I have to preach a sermon uh, just because. And so I'm going to just uh, continue to trek and follow what I believe God has laid on my heart. And uh, so I hope you'll, you'll be okay with that today. It applies to you and it applies to the men <laughs> and to the children and to everybody. So, uh, uh, so it'll be to everybody. And so uh, uh, I want to talk about the cost of deciding. Discipleship. We uh, started last week. It's going to sound a lot like last week's message, but I, I, I just felt the Lord wanting to keep us there for another week because we've been talking about we want to be the last commission we, we, that, that Jesus gave us was to go in all the world and not make converts, but to make disciples. To make disciples of all nations. So in order to make a disciple, you've got to be, be a disciple. And so we want to look and see what is it to be a disciple of Jesus. And last week we looked at, is there such a category as converts who are lesser Christians and then disciples? And we came to the end result of finding out there is no such class of people in the Bible. There are not those, well, well, I'm not going to be quite as radical as those guys over there. Those are disciples. And they're, you know, they go, they're, they're a little more radical and out there. They go all the way. But hey, thank God I punched my ticket. I'm getting into heaven. We, we saw last week through the scripture that Christian equals disciple. Christian equals disciple. I believe we saw that clearly through the scripture last week. So today I want to talk to you about the cost of discipleship. If Christian equals disciple, are you willing to follow me? Isn't that what he told his disciples? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Hey, Matthew, leave the custom booth and follow me. Hey, John, leave your, your dad and your mom in the business and follow me. Hey, Andrew, Peter, leave the, the nets and the fishing business and follow me. Hey, this one, follow me, follow me. And that was what we see in the Word of God. Later, he called disciples Christians. And so we're going to look today at the cost. And I'm afraid you have been lied to in the Western world about what it means to be a Christian. And so today, I'm going to lay it out there. And I'm going to let you decide. And some of you decide again. Do you really want to follow him? Because you're going to find out the words in red and the words of Jesus. See, you took somebody's man, you took a man's word for it, you took a church's word for it, and you didn't read it yourself. Why would you not read for yourself about eternity? Eternity is a long time. You, you, you don't think your eternity is worth at least giving one, one quick, quick, Thing through this book to see if you might be interested of where you want to spend your eternity? You don't think it's worth it? The ball game today afterwards is more important than that? And if you don't, like a pastor that I heard recently said, a guy told him, I, I just recently read the words in red. Okay, that's the words of Jesus in your Bible, that they put them in red. It'd take you about two hours to read them. If you can't read the whole thing, if your eternity's not worth the whole book or even the New Testament, then how about reading the words in red? A couple of hours just to find out if you're willing to follow Him. Because when you start to read the words of Jesus, you find out some of them were pretty harsh. Some of them don't sound like American televangelists that tell you when you follow him, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and get a Cadillac. And you'll never go through a problem again, and you'll never go through a struggle. Because, see, that's what we promise and tell our kids and people. And then when the going gets tough and we're halfway into it, they say, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. Well, I'm going to tell you today exactly what you're signing up for. And then you decide. And Jesus in John 6 and 66, when he laid it out there plainly to them, the Bible said the things that you're telling me are a little bit too hard to swallow, like eat your flesh and drink your blood. We don't know about that. And he said, right there is the door. 
And then he looked at the 12 and he said, anybody else want to go? And Peter, thank God, Peter got a few things right. Peter a lot of times spoke out of turn and misspoke sometimes, but there were a few times Peter spoke and he got it right. And this is one of the ones where he got it right. And he said, where else could we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're not going anywhere else. We're staying. I know the words are hard, but where am I going to go? I'm with you. I'm in for the long haul. And I hope you're in for the long haul today. Because I'm going to tell you something, it's worth it. It's worth it. The treasure in the field is worth selling everything you've got. It's worth losing everything you've got. It's worth giving everything away for. The Jesus that, 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 that the Western world has offered you may not be, but the Jesus of this book and the Jesus of this Bible, the one who left the throne of heaven and came down and gave his life for me on an old rugged cross, that Jesus, he's worth everything. And so let's look at his words today because... There's a lot of people who gave these words, and they lost their life for it. They lost their life for telling. And right now, we got a situation going on in our nation. If you don't think things are bad, turn on your television. we got a situation now where we're about to implode, and our streets are about to be ripped apart in violence and blood. And one side hates this book. And one side hates the followers of this book with a passion to where they will surround your houses and drag you out and gnash their teeth at you right now like a mob. Okay? So we're headed into some days where you need to make sure you're ready to count the cost. And you need to make sure you got the right Jesus that you're following. And if you got the right Jesus, he says, be of good cheer because I didn't come here to reign and bring you down. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah. And if I overcame the world, you will overcome the world too. Okay? The Jesus we serve, he doesn't burn in the fire. Okay? So let him bring the fire because the fiery trials, he's the fourth man in the fire. And when you look in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar's looking in there. I threw them in the fire, the flashball. We threw those Christians in the fire. But why aren't they burning? I see one that looks like a fourth, and he is the son of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's pray and let's go and talk about the cost of being a true discipleship. Amen. True discipleship. Being a true disciple. And then in the weeks to come, we'll talk about making disciples because that's where God is going to equip us and we're going to go and make disciples. And you can find out you got some pretty, he led captivity captives and he gave gifts unto men. And there are a lot of great gifts. There, you, you have this treasure, you have the Holy Spirit. You, do you understand? You got Christ in you. Christ in you. You've got the spirit of the living God in you. There's nothing out there. I love what uh, we had a Bible study uh, for, the, for the married people a few weeks ago. And one thing I never thought about that uh, Tony Evans brought out in this that we were watching. And he said about David and Goliath, he said, uh, when he came up to him, he said, the, thing, the, the words that he uses, he said, uh, uh, basically, uh, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? And what he was saying is, You ain't been to no doctor yet. We have. We're circumcised, and you're going down. So this uncircumcised world out here, they're nothing compared to the power of God. Amen? And so they're go, it's, it's going to be defeated. And so, so we're victorious in the name of God. And so God is going to, not only once we become his followers and disciples, we're going to go make fishers of men. And, and, and we're going to go catch. And so this church, I believe we're ready to go into the harvest fields. And we're ready to, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to re, we realize now we have no power. But we have the power in us of God. And that's the power we're relying on now. We failed in past depending on our own power. But now we're going to go in his power. And I believe we're going to see fruitfulness as a result of that. So let's go into the word of God. I don't want to be too long, which I probably will be, but I don't want to be too long because we've got stuff at the end to take care of. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the word. We thank you for your promises, dear God. And we just pray that you would speak to our hearts today, change our lives. Let the Holy Spirit be present, God. I can't say anything in this. Uh, These are not my words, God. They're your words. And I, I can't 
I can't uh, change anyone, Lord, through me screaming and shouting or, or the way I talk or don't talk or what I do. God, I, I got, it's got to be you that does the work and the change. And so, Lord, uh, I, don't, I don't know why, but through the foolishness of preaching, you have decided that, uh, God, you will, you will honor that and you will transform lives, God, when your word is, uh, is declared and when people mix it with faith, the Holy Spirit goes to work, and there is power that comes, and people are converted and changed. And God, we're just praying that you'll do that today, Father. Make us disciples. Lord, let people decide whether to follow you or not to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, to, like I said last week, we talked about the question of convert or disciple. We found out the question to that is disciple equals Christian. Paul told us in the last days, he said, uh, men would come into places like this and they would not want to endure sound doctrine. Uh, they would want to heap to themselves preachers uh, just telling them what their itching ears want to hear. And I, I just, when I go and read Jesus' words, I find out he did not do that. He did not do that anywhere in the Word of God. And if you were to ask me today, Brad, what are you most concerned about today? What is, what is in your heart? What is, what is going on? I would tell you that one of my most, uh, one of the concerns I have today is that even though you're in this church building, the fact that some of you in this church building will not make it into the glories of heaven. That's what concerns me, that you would spend eternity apart from God. That, 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 that bothers me, and I have a couple of fears. Here's, what, here's the couple of fears that are leading to this kind of message. Is number one, I have a fear, and I've wrestled with this for a couple of weeks now. I have a fear of those who think they're going to heaven in this place when you're not. That is a huge concern I have right now. I have the whole Western world thinks they're born again. And I'm going to tell you what, the things I'm seeing coming out of their mouths, out of their, 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 their Facebook accounts, out of their Twitter, out of their, uh, what I'm seeing looks no different from the, from the mess coming out of the world. It frightens me, to be honest. It frightens me. It, it, it is sickening. It makes me nauseated. It makes me want to vomit. It, 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 what, some of the things that I'm seeing, the hatred. The, the backbiting, the, 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 the lovelessness, the lawlessness coming out of the supposed house of God and people of God. It, it, I expect it out of the world, but what I see coming out now out of people of God, it absolutely frightens me. And so it frightens me today to think that there are people and there are children and there are, 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 are people that think they're going to heaven when they're not. But here's the thing that frightens me just as bad. The other part that frightens me when I do a message like this is that there are people who I know in this room know Jesus, love Jesus, are born again and saved, and yet you worry about your salvation all the time. And the last thing that I want to do today is heap more worry on you and heap condemnation onto you to where you doubt your salvation even further. I want you to be, and God wants you to be, assured of your salvation. He wants you to be confident and resting in the fact if you're truly born again, he wants you to know that you know that you know that you know that you are born into the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And so that's my dilemma. And all I know to do is to give you the word of Jesus and let you decide and let the Holy Spirit differentiate that out and deal with those two kinds of groups here today. And hopefully if you're saved, to reassure you that you are saved. And hopefully if you're fooling yourself and deceiving yourself and have believed a lie, that something will break through to your heart today. And you will find out what it really means to follow Jesus. Amen? Because we're all going to stand before the throne of God one day and we're going to hear either one of two things. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things and now I'm going to make you ruler over many. Or you're going to hear these words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Matthew 7, 21, if you'll look at it, it says this. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
And before he talks about this, it'd do you good to go home and read it because he's talking about the difference between good trees and bad trees. And he says, many people, many people are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do this? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we sing on the praise team? Didn't we teach a class? And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. So one thing we see about the last days, and we see clearly in this passage, Joe, is there are clearly many people who are going to get to the throne and get to the end and find out they were clearly deceived. And the sad part about deception is you don't know you're deceived. You're going to get there and we're going to say, wait a second. Wait, Wait a second. I was raised in the church. My grandmother took me to church. She told me about Jesus. My, my daddy and my grandpa were deacons in that church. I was a deacon. What's going on here? What's happening there? And that kind of language in the Bible scares me. It scares me. It ought to scare you. It scares me. What, 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 is, what, what is the loving thing if we read words like that? And Jesus said words like that. Is the loving thing for me to get up here and just preach you a happy sermon today and say just continue on America living in what the deception that you're living in? Just keep on smoking your pot. Just keep on doing what you're doing and coming to church on Sunday. Just keep on getting drunk on Saturday night and then come in, keep on having sex out of marriage. Keep on doing the things that you're doing and come on in here it's on Sunday and let's worship Jesus and everything will be all right. Is that what we should do today? Well, that's what the world teaches you, and it seems to have crept inside churches today, and that, that's what a lot of churches are teaching us now. See, the world, makes, the world is going to offer you things that continue to make you feel great. Wonderful. You're going to, amen, preach on, that sounds good. Like things like there's no hell that we bought today. There's no help because surely God wouldn't punish people eternally, would He? But I, read the book yourself. Read the book yourself and just find out what God would do. Start in the book of Genesis and you'll see a time. You don't even have to get far into the pages of Scripture. You get to chapter 6 and you begin to read about a God who drowns everybody on the face of the earth. Everybody, everybody is wicked. And this God of love drowns every infant, every woman, every man, every person on the face of the earth because everything in their heart was wicked and deceptive and against God. Read the book. Read the book. You read the good parts and skip over those. Keep reading and you'll read it all. You'll see that he gets. He's a God of love. But there's so many other things about our God that are so wonderful. He's a righteous God. He is a faithful judge. He is the God of justice. A loving God did that. What about the time you keep reading and you get over into Exodus and you find out the Egyptians. And he says, hey Moses, how about going and telling Pharaoh to let my people go? No, I'm not letting them go. No, I'm not letting them go. Ten times I'm not letting them go. And he says, I tell you what, tonight I'm sending a death angel and every firstborn male child will die if they don't repent and put blood over the doorpost. You say, well, that's the Old Testament and that's Genesis. And he was different back then. Oh, yeah? Do you want me to break open the book of Revelation and start reading that to you? And see that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever? That He has not changed? He's not some Old Testament God who all of a sudden got nice in the New Testament? There's as much grace in the Old Testament if you read it and discover it and see it as there is in the New Testament. He is a God of wrath, yet He's a God of love. He is a God that, that, that at times uh, deals with sin, and He's a God that offers mercy and covers sin. Amen? But he demands repentance. He demands repentance, a word we've cut out of our vocabulary in the year 2022. It offends us. You'll offend the congregation. You won't have anybody left. 
To be born again means to start things over. It means you change your mind. You turn from John 3.16. You say, well, that's a New Testament verse, Brad. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But read the book. Keep reading the book down to John 3.36. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not See life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Read the book. Don't just take it from the preacher or the Sunday school teacher. Read the book yourself. Your eternity depends on it. It's more important than how many likes you get on Instagram today or TikTok, Wickwalk, whatever's out there today. Trash is what it is. Just keep reading the book. And you'll recognize I've been living for myself. That's what Adam and Eve did. They, they chose to live for themselves. And, 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 and God told them to repent and turn from living from your, for yourself. I'm going to save you from yourself. What does society and the world give you today? Live for you. It's all about you. Live for yourself. And that's in the church pulpits today. You can have your best life now. And everybody says, Woo! Preach on, brother! Every day should be Friday, right? We all should have ice cream and Sunday and, 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 and ice cream Sundays, right? And God is that good. But 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 you need to know him all. They used to do something in church called studying the attributes of God, where you know all, you, you, you try your best to, to find this unsearchable God who is beyond figuring out, but you study his, all of his attributes so you can kind of get in the ballpark of what he's like. And we've gone through a hyper grace period where all we know about him is he is love, 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 love. And that is so true, but there are so many other aspects about this God. Amen. That we need to bring back into focus. So what did Jesus say? What, what this got me thinking about is, what did Jesus say when crowds came? Because you'd say, man, this is crazy to preach a message like this on Mother's Day. When we're going to have visitors and stuff. And we ought to just stop and say something nice today. But I started looking at what did Jesus say when crowds came? And rather than doing what we do in churches when we have large crowds, is we say, man, we've got to keep the crowd. <laughs> we got to do everything we can. We got our children here today visiting for mamas, and they don't really, they're kind of not sure about this Christianity thing. Man, I hope somebody doesn't do something really crazy today, and I hope we don't embarrass them. And I hope, I hope, uh, you know, I hope the preacher doesn't preach that really hard stuff today. I hope we do something really good so maybe they'll keep coming to church. See, Jesus was skeptical of big crowds. And so he began to say some hard words. I think some of you here today don't understand what this is really about and who is asking you to follow him. And so he began to just lay it out there and say, let me make sure you all get it because I, I don't think that all of you do. So let me just break it down for you and tell you who it is you're about to follow and what's going to be involved. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look and we're going to see what Jesus said a lot of times when the crowds came. And he said some pretty tough things. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't beg the people. The people begged Jesus. Can I go with you? You just healed me of demonic possession. Can I go with you? Can I, can I follow you? It wasn't him begging them. They begged him. And he said, do you really want to follow me tonight? Birds of the... Birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes. I'm homeless. If you follow me, you might be homeless. That's a lot of difference from uh, follow Jesus and, uh, and you'll never have another sickness before. And you'll always have a good car and a good house. That's... That, that's a, that's a little different Jesus than the one I see here in Scripture, right? Jesus was brutally honest. 
And, 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 and so, again, I, I just encourage you to just, if you can't do anything else for your eternity's sake, go read the red letters of this book and at least see what Jesus said in the pages of Scripture. At least see what Jesus said about your eternity. Because eternity is an awful long time. So let's look at a passage where one of the great crowds came. And let's begin to see what Jesus said to these of great crowds. Go to the next passage. John 3, 16. Go to the next one. Two more passages. One more. Right here. Luke 14, 25. Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes after me, to me, and does not hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brothers and his sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Happy Mother's Day. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Next slide. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to fix it. But I want to go back up to 25 and 26. Put that back on the screen. Just one back. Now great crowds accompanied him. He turned and said to them, If anyone does not come to me and does not hate his father mother, what do you and I'm not trying to mince it because I hate when people mince things and try to bring them down. Like, but, but, but it really does mean to love less. King James Version, the word hates, uh, it doesn't translate well. But, but it doesn't minimize. The, the, maybe I want to keep the hate there for you uh, to really for shock. Because he is, he is saying uh, to them, he, he's, saying, you're, he's saying, Brad, I, I've got to be here and Marcy has to be here. Brad, I've got to be here, and your dad has to be here. Brad, I've got to be here, and your kid's here. Are you willing? Are you willing to follow me? Because see, here's where we have our kids, and here's where we have God. Here's where we have our workplace, and here's where we have God. If I can fit God in today on Sunday, then I'll, I'll be with his people and be with him. But if not, you know, I, I got to do this and I got to do that. God's saying, unless you put me here and everything else here, you can't be my disciple. And that's why he gets to these He's like, I know your kids are cute and everything. I created them. But unless they're here and I'm here. Unless you love me more. See, I'm God. I'm not like anybody else on the face of the earth. I know you've reduced me down to being like you, but I'm not. I'm greater than you. I'm greater than anybody. There is no one like me. Nothing like me. There's not another created being on the face of the earth like me. And so I need to be in another stratosphere. And, 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 and so unless you're going to follow me and I'm here. And those who really get it, I know this seems too offensive to our flesh, but those who really get it and are willing with great joy to sell everything and follow him, they are happy. They are satisfied. They are content. They are absolutely giddy that they have gained the treasure of all treasures and they have God. Amen. They have, they have, they have been in the field kicking the dirt and they unearthed the treasure and they found a treasure and they decided, I don't care if I have to sell everything. I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to go to this man and I'm going to give him everything I got because that, 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 there's not a, there's not a Elon Musk that has enough money for that. That right there is worth everything. There is nothing in this world that I, that, 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 this God of the universe, God, I get God, I get God. It's a no brainer. You can have everything. You can have everything. Even my own life you can have. And he goes on to say, whoever doesn't carry your own cross. So he's beginning to tell the crowd this. Okay, not only do I have to be up here and everybody else here. But he says, see that hill right outside here? Today I'm going out there to be crucified on it. 
And unless you're willing, Daniel, to deny yourself and to pick up your cross and come get next to me on that hill, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Do you want to follow me still? See, we keep trying to soften words of Jesus like cross doesn't really mean cross. Forgiveness doesn't really mean forgiveness. And what Jesus is saying, I need to know if you are 100% with me. That you are 100% with me. That I'm coming to you and, 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 and I, I come to you, Jesus, and I don't care if I'm homeless tonight. I don't care if the world takes everything that I have. I don't care what happens in the future. I'm going with you. And that person who decides to do that becomes his disciple. He continues in the next verse that we read in verse uh, 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation and it is able to be finished, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. And so what he's saying here to the crowd is calculate the cost and decide if you truly want to follow me. He did decide because if you start to build, if you come down and say, oh, I want to give my life to Jesus, us, but you really don't know the cost. And when the, when, the, when the cost gets a little bit hard down the road and you decide, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. I really don't want to do this. And I'm out of here. And that's what many people have done in, the, in COVID. And after COVID, we're seeing such great apostasy now in Christianity. They're deciding, hey, I didn't sign up for this hardship. Jesus didn't do what I wanted him to do. I prayed like a magic genie. And Jesus used to answer my magic genie request, but he didn't answer them this time the way that I want him to. He didn't heal my mama and she died. She's not with me on this Mother's Day. See, you had somebody lie to you and give you another Jesus that said he would always heal your mama. Okay, but the Jesus that we read here didn't say that. Okay? He'll never let my car break down. On the way to work. He'll never let me get laid off. Follow me and it may get rough. And you'll end up saying, yeah, I raised my hand, preacher. Yeah, I want Jesus and plus make my life. I want Friday every day. I want my best life now. That's me, 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 me. And then when it gets hard, oh, wait. I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this. Jesus is laying it out clearly if you would read it. He's laying it out clearly what it means to be a Christian and a disciple and a follower of His. He says, think it through. Anybody that builds a tower and you write, how many has ridden by a, a, a house and it's halfway finished? And you just kind of laugh and say, what a pity. What a waste. Weeds growing up through it. It's, it, it. All that money spent, all that time spent, and now it's just falling in. I mean, you, you just... Be, and, and that's what Jesus is telling the people right here. Think about it. Think about your salvation first. Think about whether you really want to follow me. And what we do as parents is we say, Oh, it's easy, children. Pray this prayer. Just pray this prayer and punch your ticket and, 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 and gee, everything will be okay. And they start pretty soon and they begin to see that it's hard and that things begin to happen. And so that we've got this wicked, wicked teaching that I keep mentioning that says everything, everything come to Jesus and he'll make you healthy and he'll make you wealthy and you'll never suffer. But that's not what Jesus taught. You believe in a lie and, 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 and you need to know the truth. He says, follow me and your life is going to get more difficult. And I got news for you. It's been easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ in America, but the party is over. It's about to change, folks. It's about to change. It's not going to be popular anymore. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says in John 15, 18, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep your word. This is a promise, not about making life easier. This is a promise that it's going to get more difficult when you follow the Nazarene and the, and the God of this world is Satan and he hates the Nazarene. And therefore, if he hates the Nazarene, he hates the Nazarene's children. And all of his followers hate the Nazarene and they hate the Nazarene's children. Do you see how it works? That's not how it was presented to you, was it? I got everybody caught. Right. You're wishing you had gone to another church this morning, aren't you? No, come on, come on, come on. So he says, unless you're willing to pick up your cross and go up there on that hill and die with me, he says, count the cost of discipleship before you just call yourself a Christian. He's saying you could lose your life. He said, figure the cost. He says, if we, if we don't, we're going to set people up for failure. And I've done that, and I apologize for doing that. And yeah, you can keep smoking pot. You can keep sleeping with your girlfriend. Please just pray the prayer. Ask Jesus into your heart. That's not what Jesus says here. He says, if you do that, once they, it gets difficult, they're going to walk away. And you're setting them up for failure. He says, count the cost ahead of time. He says, if not, they're going to start with me, and they're going to come down here, and we're all going to celebrate. We're going to dunk them in water. And then when it gets tough, halfway through the process, they're going to leave. And how many people are leaving the faith today? How many people never came back to church after COVID? How many decided it's not worth it? My health is more important. My job is more important. My children are more important. And church and God are way down there. And so, so he says, count the cost ahead of time. Read on to what he goes on to continue to say in Luke 14, 31. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, with the other is yet a great way, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. It doesn't get any clearer than this, folks. Read the book. It doesn't. He says, he says, if we're going to war, and we've got about 50 or so people here in this sanctuary, and he says, if we're going to war in Gardendale, and, and, and yet they got 200 people, and we got 50, he says, don't just start bowling out the door with your weapons and, and just, just emotionally going crazy down the road. He says, sit here and count the cost. He said, look at yourself. You got 50 and they got 200 and you got to decide if you're going to go fight because you might get killed. And he, and he brings it down to the king that's in charge and he says, hey king, you better really look at your people and all that you got and decide if you're going. And if you don't think you can do it, the smart thing to do, Sonny, is you send a delegation down the road and you go down there and offer him a cheesecake or something and try to make a peace with him or not, you're going to get your tail whipped and be in trouble. Try to work out a peace deal. And so that's what he says. And folks, here's the deal. Jesus again is saying here, he's saying, uh, think this through. You are about, if you follow me and become my disciple, you are about to go against the world. This is not a country club like we made all these churches into. This is a war. And it's against the world. The world that is encroaching that we've opened our houses up to and we brought in and it's in us and around us and everywhere. He said it's us against them. And right now, sadly to say, there's way more of them probably until Jesus comes than there is of us. We're the underdog. He says words like this. I'm sending you out as sheep. Among wolves. You ever seen a sheep beat a wolf? 
They're defenseless. I'm sending you out as sheep in a ravenous world among wolves. You know what happens in that kind of situation? You know how you win? You have a good shepherd that fights for you. That's your only hope, man. That's, the, all the, that's where you put all your eggs in one basket, is if I'm a helpless, defensive sheep, and he's putting me out here in the middle of a world with wolves that are ready to gnaw me and rip me to shreds, then I know the good shepherd will fight for me, and I know his rod and his staff, they will comfort me. And if I go down into the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen? And so he says, if you want to follow me today, mothers, dads, everyone here, when you walk out that door, you got to pick up your cross and get on the unpopular side of the fight and decide now and decide ahead of time if you're willing to go beyond halfway and to go all the way into this thing. Are you willing to be on the unpopular side, young people? Are you willing to die? See, taking up your cross means when they say, you're a sissy, you are a Christian, what? You're against abortion, what? You're an idiot. And your flesh wants to say, no, not really, we're not like that. And you take up your cross and you say, I'm going with God unashamedly. His world is different from this world. His ways are different from this this ways. I can't participate in this. I can't participate in that. And, And you're shamed and you're mocked and you're ridiculed for following this Jesus. That's what it means to die. Jesus is saying when you come to me, you may take up your cross and you may have to die. The guys at work may say, come over here. Man, look at this, look at this, look at this hot babe. And everything in your flesh says, I want to fit in here. And I'll just kind of glance quickly and just make a soft chuckle. Or you take up your cross and you die. And you say, I want this, but my Savior is saying, go here. And I'm going to follow him. I counted the cost. I decided to forsake all, and I'm going with Him. Even my friends, even my... And here's the thing, folks. Let me tell you something. It's easy to go to India. It's easy to go to Moldova where they have nothing and say, Hey, you want to follow Jesus? They look around in the slum they're in and the garbage they're eating, and they say, Anything's better than here. But when you offer it to rich Americans, you know what they say? Ah, nah. I got a good Netflix movie coming on today. I got a refrigerator full of food that we're going to cook after church. I don't need anything. It's hard to get a rich man. It's hard to get a rich man to forsake all. So the more friends you have, the more possessions you have. But, but the good news is, is Peter said, then who can be saved? We're all in America. We all got a lot. Thank God Peter spoke up. And Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. So he goes on lastly here to the last example here. You say, thank God, I can't take any more of this. Maybe we can get lunch and get happy today. Then he says, salt, salt, McDonald's salt. He says, salt is good, but if it loses its taste, shall its saltiness be restored? He said, it's no use then for the soil or the manure pile. It's to be thrown away. And then he says, he who has ears, let him hear. I mean, basically, Jesus, this is the good salt, by the way. That's the real deal right there. saw this from somebody else not my idea this is the not real deal this is the fake and he says this right here this is good this can preserve this can do a lot of great things man this can protect he said this right here 
why don't we do this? He said, that right there, that's not even good. He said, the dirt is good. Sonny, you, you, you grow things. The dirt's good. You put things in the ground, it grows things. He said, you put this salt on that dirt, and that salt's no good. It does the dirt no good. It doesn't do anything any good. It's a waste. He said, manure is good. Fertilizer, we need a lot of that right now. Can't get any out of the Ukraine. It's going to cause your food to be short. He said, manure is good. This salt that's lost its saltiness, a halfway Christian, a halfway disciple, worthless. Not even fit for the manure pile. I can't even do it. I can't even put it on manure. I can't even do anything with it. Why would you do this, he says? Why would you pour out all this? Why, why would we do that? So we can brag to the church down the road. Look how much salt we got. Look how many people, look at, look, look at our crowd. Our crowd is bigger than your crowd. Our church is filled with more people than your church is. What use are they? <laughs> if they're not his disciples. If they're not real salt. If they're not adding any value to anything. He says it's worthless. He says it's not good for the dirt. It's not good for the fertilizer. He, he said flavorless salt. Is, it, it's not even worth throwing out onto the ground. And men trampling it under their feet. He said I need disciples not flavorless salt. He says, any man who will be my disciple, let him come. Let him count the cost. Let him follow me. I need that kind of people. I don't need the fake stuff. I need the real stuff is what he's saying I need. And so he is recruiting. It's clear what he's doing in these passages. He's recruiting you into an army. And sadly, in the churches, we're running back like the old soldier in the army who's running back and saying, they're shooting at me, they're shooting at me, they're shooting at me. And he doesn't look at it, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I thought you were supposed to get rich. I'm sorry, I thought you were supposed to be wealthy. And that's what we're doing in the church, folks. Jesus didn't heal me. Jesus didn't do this. Jesus didn't do that. The praise team sang too loud. The praise team sang too soft. They wear blue jeans. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't sing old enough songs. They don't sing new enough songs. Wah, 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 wah. And Jesus said, it's worthless. And so basically he turns to him and I'm turning to you today and he says, who's with me? Who's with me from here on out? I will love you. I left the throne of heaven. I emptied myself of all my glory. I left the angels that bowed down around my throne. They didn't sit there with their hands folded during the praise and say, well, I don't like this song. And I don't like the one who's singing it. I can't believe they chose them and let them get on that stage. No, they don't say things like that. They see a glorious God. And they say, my God, my Lord. And they bow around His throne day and night. And this God left that, came down, emptied Himself of all of His glory for you and rotten me. And He died on a cross, nailed Himself upon a tree, and paid for the sins of humanity. Your sins, my sins, all of our sins. Offering love to us and saying, whosoever will, let Him come. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to do anything differently. You need to just come to me and I will give you a new heart. I will take out the stony heart. I, if you'll believe my words, if you'll believe on me, 
If you'll come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. And I will take out the stony heart in your body. And I'll place in you a new heart. I'll give you a new mind, that saturated mind that only thinks about filth and sex and anger and, 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 and a past hurt you can't get over. I will take out that out of your head and put in you a new mind, a new heart. And I'll give you a new spirit. And I'll cause, I'll write the commandments on your heart. You couldn't keep them before, but I will write them on your heart and my spirit will cause you to walk in my statutes and in my ways. Will you come to me? Will you follow me? Will you come and, and, and receive me? Will you renounce your old way of living, your old way of thinking? Will you repent of what you've been doing and will you follow me? Will you follow me? And so in 1994, I had played the game all my life in church. Oh, I'd come down, prayed the prayer, and went back out and got drunk on Friday night and prayed the prayer again. Held on to unforgiveness. Never talked to Jesus, never read the Bible. It wasn't worth losing all that. Wasn't worth losing the pornography. Gave me too big of a good feeling inside. It wasn't worth losing. But I'd been told, hey, come to Jesus. Just come like that. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to forsake all. Just come to him. But in 1994, 1994, my life got so worthless. The world got so worthless. All the appeal, all the desire, all the shininess came crashing down. And the Jesus of the Bible, I decided to read it myself. Not just trust the preacher or my mom or dad or grandmom. I decided to read his words myself. And I heard him say, follow me. And this time I counted the cost. I said, my sin or eternal life, my broken heart, or new heart, my wicked mind, almost crazy mind, or a new mind, power, power, real power versus self-will, and all these things that don't work. And finally, finally, I said, you can have this I want this. And I decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world be cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. And I'm asking you today to really, really, really count the cost. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever decided to follow Jesus? Have you ever decided to truly follow Jesus? And that's what I want to give you the opportunity to do today. And when Peter preached his first sermon, he said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. In other words, turn and leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Unless you forsake all. Count the cost. Count the cost. I'm leaving it all for you, Jesus. And you follow him. You turn and you leave it all. And that's what baptism is. And a lot of us didn't know that's what it was. And maybe we need to do it again because we really might not have known what we were doing. But baptism is immersing yourself into Jesus. It says, I'm entering into Jesus.